the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. Serving the business of defence. With Grant McHeron. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. This episode features two more of the interviews we recorded at the Indo-Pacific 2023 event in Sydney. The first is with George Maguire, CEO of Sentinel Boats, formerly known as PFG. And we chat about developments since we last had PFG on the show back in September 2021. We also talk about the work they're doing with L3 Harris on autonomous vessels. George Maguire, Sentinel Boats, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Grant. Really look forward to um, continuing the discussion and, and, and pleased, obviously, you're with us in 2021. And a lot has happened since then, so I look forward to updating um, yourself and obviously your listeners on, on where we are now. That's right, mate. It was September 2021. We had Robert Inches on and he was talking to us about a contract that had just been signed with the New Zealand Defence Force. And lo and behold, three of the Sentinel boats have been delivered. Yeah, well, I'd say two have been delivered and our third one is right here at the show. So we're actually taking it straight from here down to Port Kembla um, and from Port Kembla will be shipped to New Zealand and then we'll do the final acceptance trials over there and that will complete that that current contract. We're hoping that they love them so much they want some more, but we'll see you know how we go with that. Um, but that's been a fantastic project for Sentinel and the New Zealand Navy. I think the, I'm ex-Navy as well. I did 28 years of the Navy and when I'm talking to the sailors, we've actually got three of the crew from here the way they talk about the vessel makes me extremely proud. You know you've got it right when the people that use the gear love it, um, and they really do. Hard not to love. You took me over for a tour on board, uh, the one that's on display here, and yeah, lots of great equipment, lots of great gear, and that uh, amazing HDPE hull. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's an amazing product, and I think the HDPE really sets it aside. And it's not just from a performance, because actually the comfort riding, and it's both design, the material, the ride system that we have on board with the heifering to, to quieten things down and working with our designers in one, two, three architects. So it's that complete package coming together, gives them a boat that I would argue is superior in terms of you know delivering soldiers, sailors to the battlefield or to where they need to go in, in the best state we can possibly have them. It is. It is rough in the seas at times, but that's up to Sea State 5, a highly capable vessel, and then can deploy you know, another rib from it, which is quite unique when you see in a vessel this size. It can be carried um, by the New Zealand Navy on their support ships as well, so we can go into theatre and be launched from well over the horizon to do all the sort of littoral manoeuvre operations that um, the New Zealand Navy needs. So really pleased with how we've worked with them and, and the product that's come out. And it was great that uh, yeah, 2021 was the signing of the contract, and now here we are, two years later, ships or boats being delivered to them and being going through final checkouts. Yeah, absolutely. So the first two have been accepted. They're over there, and I think we showed you the video on, um, of just how the performance across their different diving roles, um, REA, so remote um, environmental assessments as well, with you know UUVs being launched from it, diving teams, special forces. Again, so it's the utility of that boat. Um, that's quite you know quite amazing and and really pleased to see that over there and sign off the contract and and then hopefully that's a really you know it, it's put sentinel um, forefront um, to the forefront and we can talk about that what that means for us going forward if you'd like yeah we'll get to that in just a moment we're going to step back just a fraction because 2021 uh, the company was pfg now sentinel boats um, anything you can tell us about why the name change yeah, we were, so PFG was a much wider group and we were performing uh, in the PFG group looking after Seamaster fishing and we're also looking after uh, normal plastic manufacturing and rotor moulding and other things. Um, and with the success of the New Zealand contract, there was a real 
decision to concentrate on becoming a highly professional boat builder. They've been building boats for 25 years plus, um, and so mainly for the aquaculture industry, so we know, particularly HDPE, it has been surviving the Southern Ocean. I mean, one of the boats that's down there supporting the aquaculture industry in Tasmania has been re-engined five times. Still the same hull because it is bulletproof. And if you're in any other material, and you know, honestly, you can go and check this out, if you're lasting an aluminium boat up to 10 years, you'd be extremely lucky in the way they use them and, and particularly against the pens in the Southern Ocean, um, you will see just how robust these boats actually are. So that's our proving ground. And so from that, with the name change, the intention then was to, um, Seamaster will be its own brand. Sentinel has actually effectively come out now as our own brand. Um, and we'll be concentrating on, on highly, highly capable boats, but not just for the military, which is a great, um, part of what we do. We've just delivered three flood rescue boats over to Western Australia for the State Emergency Service. That's actually, we're up to now about 15 boats for them for flood rescue. Um, we're just putting boats and building them for New South Wales Marine Rescue. We've just delivered another vessel to the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, which is an oil recovery vessel. So using the properties of HPDE and how we can manufacture those, these vessels are sitting there for emergency response. So they can sit in the sun, in a cradle, for 10, 20, 30 years, hopefully they are not needed. Hopefully we don't have oil spills. But you know, when we have an oil spill, you need that thing to be able to go straight away. So um, we're really pleased across that whole customer base and should I say police forces as well. Um, you know, we've got police forces that are doing rescues with our boats onto rocky shores, literally putting the boat onto rocky shores to save lives and coming off and the hull is completely intact um, and saving people. That happened in Northern Tasmania and Lee, who's on the stand now, will you know, bear witness to just how that how that came about. Um, so fantastic story about the durability, the ruggedness of the boats. You know, really, to break one of these, you'd have to drop it from 10,000 feet, I think, straight onto a Rocky Mountain. Yeah, I, I, uh, you invited me to have a tap on the side, and yeah, it's pretty dang solid, and also good, uh, good material for flood work, as you said, because there's always lots of uh, flotsam and jetsam and everything in the water when you're working with flood work, and uh, th thus the uh, jet boat kind of engine so that you've got less to foul. Yeah, absolutely. So the flood boats we're delivering um, to Western Australia, um, they actually, the hull, the actual collars themselves are also HDPE. Um, so you can imagine just how robust they are. You're going to hit people's garages, roofs and all people unfortunately in those situations, you know, a top of fence post look like, you know, in any other boat, they'd rip the bottom of it out. Um, for us, you know, you're going to keep on going and other vessels would be operationally, you know, rendered unserviceable, um, whereas these sit-in trailers ready for the SES to use. Um, you know, again, unfortunately, you'd like to thought we don't have to use them, but we know what's happening with climate change and floods, etc. at the moment. I think that's one of the other things I'd just like to highlight that really proud about what we do with HDPE is, you know, we're building in Tasmania, so 100% renewable energy. And if you look at even the manufacturer of HDPE, it uses 20% of the energy required to make an aluminium sheet of this equivalence. Um, and then you look at these things when you use them for 20, 30, 40, 50, I'd argue, probably 90 years, um, at the end of that time, they are recyclable. They're, they're type two recyclable. So you chop them up and put them in the recycling bin and they'll be recycled. So if you look at that end to end of what it means for us, and I think that sustainability of that product is, you know, I think it's really important. Yeah, definitely so. And something else that we needed to talk about while we're here, we've spoken about the, the boats, the Kiwis, the, um, the history and name change. The, uh, going forward, there's a, a. It was hinted back in 2021 about autonomous projects, autonomous systems, but you've actually got the proof of it here uh, at the show. Yeah, we're working with um, L3 Harris, a highly professional global leader in autonomy. 
um, and we have actually got a vessel on the harbour at the moment, so our 11 metre um, is going around and doing autonomy demonstrations as we speak. So it was so, so simple for the L3 Harris team to bring their equipment across, fit it to our vessel and now they're actually controlling you know, our, our boat, obviously with AMSA regulations, so in case people are worried about going around Sydney Harbour, we do have a safety number on the boat. That's not because a safety number is required, that's because at the moment we don't have the full certification and in Sydney Harbour, and particularly with it was uh, Melbourne Cup yesterday, as you know, so you can imagine the number of ferries and cruise boats going around Sydney Harbour, so much better to have someone on board. Um, but the boat was in full autonomous mode, being controlled um, from another vessel. In fact, that control, it could be controlled from Darwin, it could be controlled from anywhere with the satellite communications. As long as you've got the communications feed, you can control that from anywhere in the world and obviously then control multiple vessels at once. Um, and it's a really, I think, you know, the, the future, not there will be manned vessels, but if you think about the sort of stuff that these things can do, stay on station for days, weeks at a time, they don't go to sleep, they don't need to be fed, and all those other things, yes, they need to be fueled every now and then, but you know, we've got a couple of weeks worth, you know, 10 days plus, even in our high performance boats. Um, and we can actually even extend that further if we needed to. And the robustness of those holes means that you, know, you can stay at sea for very long periods of time. Yeah, well beyond the uh, boredom capability of the crew, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the people that are controlling these, you know, they control multiple vessels at one time from one individual back at a control station. And so you can be out there and that's a force multiplier for you because the sooner you know something's happening in that maritime environment, the sooner you can decide how you're going to react. Obviously, where mistakes happen most often is when you're caught by surprise. So particularly being out there and actually, and I think the key role for autonomy is more on the surveillance role. There is some response roles, but once you get into that response, then we're sort of moving into manned vehicles, I would argue, at this stage in time. That trusting of, of you know, weapon systems and others, that can be done, and it is being proven in certain environments. Um, but that human on the loop, in, or human in the loop, depending on your, on your vernacular, or whether you're you know, from here or tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, so you know how you make sure that that's a safe and system, and I think you will end up with um, some, obviously some crew response vessels operating with you know, 10 or 12 um, you know, autonomous service vessels. A little bit like Loyal Wingman or the Ghostbat program here, you know, JSF will be operating with multiple of those. The same as I could see multiple, there are some long and dirty missions that you might just sit out there and not be operating with something, um, but where there's an expectation that it may turn into an escalated situation, you know, you'd have some manned response vessels out there, in my opinion, as a, as a naval operator, but um, and I think people take comfort in that. Uh, you're not the only one who's uh, saying that. So we're gonna wrap up here with a very quick question. What do you see on the next couple of years for Sentinel boats? A uh, really exciting future. So where you were in 2021, we've moved into a new production facility. Um, and so we're setting up a flow production system. So in other words, our capacity um, to build boats to really high quality um, in a minimal amount of time is increasing exponentially. Um, and those markets that I talked about, I see, you know, defence and security and rescue services. And I think we'll be moving also into, you know, harbour support vessels and oil support vessels where that durability of what we actually do is required. Um, so we've got a couple of tenders out there we've responded to, both for New Zealand sea boats and for Australian Defence Force sea boats, and, and let's hope that the, um, the, the powers of B come to those conclusions and, and they, they realise the benefit of what we're offering. And I'd say there's lots of other, there's other good boats out there, but we think we really do have a unique proposition in what we're doing. So look forward to hearing those, but it's onward and upward, producing more boats for all our clients. George, thanks very much for coming on the show. That was a fantastic update. Thanks, Rand. 
Our second interview for this episode is with James Cowles, Senior Business Development Manager for L3 Harris Autonomous Surface Vessels. It was recorded aboard the media boat on Sydney Harbour following our viewing of the L3 Harris Autonomous Vessel Technology Demonstration. James Cowles, you're with L3 Harris. Welcome to the show. And can you tell us a bit about autonomous systems on board a Sentinel boat? Yeah, no, thank you, Grant. Um, so yeah, so we've brought uh, our ASV autonomy system to the Indo-Pacific show. Um, largely that's around, one, we're signing a, signed a partnership with Sentinel uh, this week, which is, which is brilliant. Um, and we will be we brought the system to demonstrate to the, the people here, the, the Australian Navy and other navies that are attending, that autonomy is a, a system that is here, it's ready, and it, and it can be delivered now to support operations. And you're doing quite a bit of work in the UK at the moment, and you were telling us as we were watching the Sentinel boat do its thing on the harbour, that um, you're exploring this and the uh, UK Navy is doing a lot of work with it. Yeah, so we've been working with the Royal Navy for probably nearly 20 years now, actually, from right down at the beginning um, of the, the business to developing the autonomy. And we've delivered two platforms, one to the DSTL, their research branch, and one to the Royal Navy, um, which have uh, been used in a range of exercises to demonstrate the, con the CONOPS, the operations they've been delivering, and really helped helped us develop our autonomy, help us develop our platform systems, and, that, and that's what we're, how we're able to sort of demonstrate this so effectively today. And are you able to give an overview of what kind of missions, the you know, what, what operations they're doing within the bounds of what you're allowed to tell yeah. us, of course? Yeah, so, so we have three core missions that we're focusing on and two that are kind of effective now. So they are uh, force protection and ISR and mine, mine hunting mine countermeasures operations. So, yeah, so that's what we're delivering now. The package that you've put on the Sentinel for this demonstration, uh, pretty small, pretty light, and that's indicative of all the brains fits in a small case, doesn't have a lot of power requirements. It's, you were saying it's only when you scale up to bigger vessels with bigger interfaces that you start having to add a lot more to it. Yeah, um, we can actually keep our system pretty compact, especially on the more modern platforms. I think as you get larger, it's very dependent on what the interfaces are like. More modern vessels, our package can still be pretty small. Actually, in some cases on much larger vessels, our package is even smaller because we're only having to interface with the vessel with maybe only uh, two or three cables and then the rest of it's networking and computing power. Now, you, on the way out, when we went out to watch the demo, you were talking about the different levels of autonomy. Can you give us a quick run-through on that, please? Yeah, so it depends who you ask on what level, how many levels of autonomy are, are there. The IMO have designated four levels of autonomy. So level three is where we operate some of the time, but we're operating at level four a lot as well. So level three is no people on board the vessel, but the vessel is remotely controlled. So we have a remote control capability, which we use for docking and, and specific maneuvers. And then level four is when you're under an autonomous operation. So it's man on the loop. So a monitoring operation rather than in the loop, a doing operation. Now, if you look at Lloyd's, then Lloyd's will take it further to level five and six. And level five and six is about the amount of supervision. So when you get to level six, you're effectively saying, go away, do what you want. 
um, I'm not going to talk to you again. And uh, the system that you're using on the Sentinel is effectively similar to the system that you'd use on, um, I believe you're doing some trials on other vessels here in Australia, are you able to talk about that? Yeah, so it's very similar to the, to the system we put onto the PBAT program with, with Austal, um, the same architectural blocks largely. Yeah, we've got some different interfaces in there and that, that requires some different electronics, but, but largely very similar, sort of a six to 10 new rack that's using know, a few hundred watts of power. Yeah, so pretty light on, yeah. on the uh, size, weight and power t side of things. And um, yeah, so you, you mentioned that there, to us earlier that there's um, the, sh the vessel automation, uh, autonomy rather than navigation and so on. Can you run us through those? Yeah, so I, th I think part of, the, part of the challenges of autonomy is that it, a lot of the time people assume it's a catch-all phrase. But in reality, there's a whole range of different types of autonomy that you need to consider to be able to deliver an autonomous operation. So we start off at one end of it with platform autonomy. So platform autonomy is having a vessel that can look after itself, itself that, it, that it tells you when its engines are unhappy, overheating, and also in a number of scenarios does something about it. If something's overheating, can it shut it down? Can it reduce power? How can the vessel look after itself? So once you've got a vessel that looks after itself, then you want to go somewhere and do something. So then you've got navigation autonomy. And the navigation autonomy is the, the brain to get where you need to go with your vessel that can look after itself. So once you've got a vessel that can look after itself, you've got where you need to go, you need to do something useful. So that's your payload autonomy. So that can be in a whole range of different forms. It can be bringing data, data processing. Um, it can be bringing different command signals that can come into the navigation system and be used as advisories whilst the navigation system still continues to remain safe. Now, above all of those, bringing them all together is our mission autonomy. So that's all about taking all that sensor data, that navigation data, and saying, to safely execute the mission I've been giving, I need to do this. And that can involve making a multitude of decisions, but as a system provider, we're gonna provide customers and ourselves with the opportunity to program that in in a very complex way to enable the decisions that are ultimately simple to build, to build into a very complex web to provide that real autonomy. Um, anything else you'd like to say while I've got you here about the uh, capability? We've been doing this for a long time. We've got a lot of experience. We've delivered over 130 boats around the world. Um, and, and now is, is a, the time to, to grasp the opportunity. Um, because ultimately, the people who grasp the opportunity now are going to be able to steer the direction of the future. Um, and and that, that is going to be a, a benefit uh, down the road. Thank you very much for your time. We're just about back at the berth, so I think that was a good time to uh, say thanks and really appreciated the de demonstration on the harbour today. Thank you, Rob. Thanks to everyone for listening once again, and don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from the show. Meanwhile, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. The ADM Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yaffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. Thank you.
You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.